0: Hello, and welcome to Tradeoffs, a podcast where I ask chief executives exactly how they're going about making their businesses more sustainable. I'm Ned Salter, Global Head of Investment Research at Fidelity International, and in this episode, I'm interviewing Rupert Soames, the then chief executive of services company Serco. When it comes to carrying out policy, governments face a choice—employ their own staff to do the job or outsource. Using third parties is often preferable because it shifts the burden of managing complex projects and aims to deliver efficiency for the taxpayers. That's where Serco comes in. They work in countries around the world carrying out contracts as diverse as managing prisons and immigration centers to large-scale health programs. But the work isn't for the faint-hearted. It comes with substantial social responsibility and intense public scrutiny. Rupert Soames was the chief executive of Circo for eight years before stepping down at the end of 2022. He joined me at the Fidelity Studios in July. Rupert Soames, welcome to Tradeoffs. Good morning. I was prepping for our discussion. And I did come across an article from The Times in December of 2021, where you said, if ESG analysts, trustees and fund managers think that their definition of what is right for society trump those of democratically elected governments, then ESG has gone too far. So I wanted to open by just getting your views on ESG in general. And is it bad for Serco, the movement of sustainability?
1: No, on the whole, it's 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 good for Serco because it's partly it makes us concentrate on things that are important. But I think the one that causes us most, um, uh, I would say, angst and confusion and uh, just difficulty is the social side of it. Because it's much more opinion-based and um, it's much more difficult to uh, have the sort of extended conversations when uh, you have a company like Circo that does what it does, which is on behalf of governments, we do a lot of things that are seen by some as being socially controversial. Like we have a 33% of our businesses in defense. Um, Well, what a difference a war makes. Um uh, in terms of people 's attitude to defense but we also we run prisons and we are involved we run help governments run their immigration policies and that 's where that statement came from i I really do think when you are being questioned diligently by an analyst about our policy towards implementing government policy. For instance, uh, a particular one would be involvement in nuclear weapons. Well, I mean, you know, the democracies in the United States and in the UK and in France have repeatedly elected governments who are committed to having nuclear weapons. And I find it quite strange that that people should say, well, we know better than you. Let me pick up on this point. I think it's very interesting. Obviously,
0: you work for democratically elected governments. You work for governments um, who have the authority to make these uh, decisions, the power to make these decisions and set policy and execute that policy. But what role do you think the capital markets should play then in governing the behavior of a corporate who in effect is is working for, for these governments?
1: Well, I, I think that the thoughtful players in the capital markets will realise that actually governments need help to go and deliver policy that they are elected to go and provide. You can't on the one hand say I don't like nuclear weapons and i'm not going to invest in for instance uh, because we might have involvement in nuclear weapons and on the other hand trade u.s and british government bonds that finance them Uh, and that it sets up these paradoxes and i think that broadly speaking for a company like us our judgment i mean we do we have on occasion drawn a line where we think that government policy will be hard for us to implement because our colleagues would be uncomfortable doing it, Mm -hmm. would be an example. But on the whole, we take the view that if it's within the law, if it's a democratically elected government that is asking us to do something that is established policy we should be allowed and the capital markets should not penalize us for doing that. And they should not second guess that. That's great. I think
0: we will come back to this because I have some specific questions on that. And I think it's a really interesting topic. I want to come back to this point where you mentioned that really the key issues that Circo faces are around the S, it's all about people. So I guess what I would be interested to hear is your perspective on
1: who are your key stakeholders? Well, um our key stakeholders are our customers who are governments. And I think that's another way where we are somewhat different from a lot of other companies who have dispersed customer groups who may have different... I mean, you know, you tangled at your peril with the British government on matters of social if you misbehave on so they have views about uh ESG and they expect to see they wish those views to that policy to be promoted through their supply base so that's one stakeholder the other stakeholder is of course the people who work for Circo. about 50% of the people who work for Circo, uh, Circo are former public servants they have views and I have to say that they weigh weigh heavily with us and then there is of course uh, our investors who have views Um, and we are lucky in having uh, a a number of investors who are prepared to talk to us about some of the quote difficult or controversial things that government asks us to do
0: how do you manage the varied needs of all these stakeholders simultaneously?
1: When I joined Serco, it was in deep, deep financial trouble. We had to go and have an emergency rights issue, then another one where we raised £600 million, and we had to go and sell. So one of the things I learned there is that stakeholders hear the messages that you're giving to other stakeholders, And I think that consistency is really what you can't go and have one message for your colleagues and one message for investors and a different one for government because you'll get caught out. So I think having a message that can be consistent between those three and you, uh, even if it is quite a short, a succinct message, but you can't go and give different messages to different stakeholders. It's got to be the same one.
0: So I think we've heard your opinion at a high level on sustainability. I wanted to unpack some of the difficult choices that you need to make as a chief executive in your role. And so you mentioned one of your stakeholders were the capital markets, investors, all of whom expect a profit. So what is the trade-off between making money and meeting the needs of the other stakeholders, be they employees, governments, or the public?
1: I don't see that as being a trade-off per se. Would we make more money if we didn't give a damn about social stuff? Yes, we would, for about five minutes. And then we would get fired by our customers and disinvested by our um, shareholders. So I don't see making money being profitable, being cash positive, having good returns on our assets, as being in any way um, contradictory to our ESG stance. I can see that other companies might. And, you know, if you are a major hydrocarbon producer, what do you do? Um, uh, But we are uh, not faced by that particular. We have other Difficult questions, but that's not one of them.
0: Is there a trade-off that you might make near term that might be more expensive? Could you make your services Circo a better organization by investing even more? Uh, taken to the extreme, at what at what cost
1: could you make Circo even better? We provide uh, people-based services to government. We employ fifty-five thousand people. Arguably, if we paid everybody more, that would be a social good Um, and government would be terribly pleased until we came round to tendering, in which case we'd be too expensive and lose the business. I think the trade-offs more come between the to what extent we say to individual investors, look, this is what we do. And if you don't like what we do, we understand if you want to go and uh, uh, play elsewhere. Um, that is a, a a trade-off that we make. We can't be all things to all people. If you feel uncomfortable with um, the government's immigration policy and our role in implementing that um, and don't want to invest in it, that's your choice. We're not going to disinvest from immigration because investors tell us to because it's there are other investors who will say you want to do what so remembering that one of the difficulties for us you know investors particularly on this issue on the social side do not speak with a common voice I mean I've been CEO of public companies for rising 20 years and you get used to the fact that you know the company that you're running is Um, uh, is meat and drink to one type of investors and dreadful for others so you just have to take that in the role i i think that being careful to explain to our colleagues though when we do something particularly controversial or difficult that it is aligned with their values and our values we take a lot of trouble about that because for instance test and trace we were heavily involved in and there was a huge amount of controversy led by the opposition um about sort of far sax circle and far circle and um uh, uh and it worried some investors because they thought that we were messing it up and that we were going to go and uh, destroy our reputation with our customers. But actually, it worried our colleagues, people in the business, who want instinctively want to be proud of what, the, what we do. And when you sort of wake up and see splattered over the press, Sergo's doing a terrible job, which we weren't, we have to be quick off the mark in getting our story across to them. I have a horrible habit of walking towards gunfire, you've been quoted
0: as saying. Is this a true statement, or are you someone who seeks conflict?
1: No, I don't seek conflict, but I don't shrink from it. I think that some of these issues, particularly around uh, ESG, uh, need conversations like this, which are extended that you uh, acknowledge that there may be different opinions. But I tell you the other thing that does worry me. It is the fact that, particularly in its wilder forms, the, 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 the fact that ESG is opening still further the chasm that exists between privately owned companies and publicly owned companies. And there are many advantages to being publicly owned. You get... Good sources of uh, uh, of capital far more cheaply. You are not encouraged to go and and run massive levels of debt and all these other things. Are good reasons to be a public company, but if this crevasse between the public and the private, keeps on getting open further and further. It makes the public markets less attractive, particularly to companies who operate in controversial areas. And I think that one of the advantages, the the services that the public markets do to society is that they bring transparency. Which would be better for society that Serco doing the difficult and controversial things that we do, that we do that in the in the light of publicity and consequences, or that we were squirreled away and, uh, uh, and just didn't give a damn. It's a great segue. The scrutiny that public markets
0: brings is maybe another trade-off here, which is that every decision your company needs to take may be faced with some level of controversy. Someone is going to disagree. And so what level of controversy is too much, what makes it worth it for Serco?
1: That is the trade-off and the debate that we have. That is why we have rooted and grounded us. I've been struggling since I've been working for Serco to find a solid and principled foundation that will cover at least the majority of the cases. And that is, If we are asked to do work by democratically elected uh, governments that is within the law, we have to think very hard before we say, oh no, we don't think that that's right, to second guess democratically elected governments in what they do. It doesn't mean to say that we never do or that we're completely unthinkable, but that's a pretty good foundation place to start, I think. And when you, when you consider making those trade-offs,
0: is it the court of public opinion that matters and weighs heavily on your decision-making? Is it the influence or the feelings or the values of your employees and your associates that matter
1: the most? How do you sort of weigh that matrix of decision-making? One of the things that I try to persuade investors of is the fact that any Google search that you do on Circo is going to produce a litany of stories from NGOs of alleged things that we've done wrong or mistreatment actually goes to the point is that because we serve government we are under constant supervision there are a thousand journalists out there trying to find out bad stuff that we're doing on the whole we do good stuff so uh, uh, that that's fine but we are open to a lot of scrutiny I think what I would say to you is and this is particularly from an investment point of view is that being sure-footed in the way that we respond to controversy, saying from the get-go, That we acknowledge that if we are spending taxpayers' money and doing the government's will, we have responsibilities to spend it responsibly, to deliver good services, and to deliver those services in a responsible uh, manner. And if people think that we aren't, we must be prepared to make ourselves accountable for that. You've got to be prepared to engage with your critics. Going and hiding uh, is not the way to handle this because we're being paid by taxpayers' money. They have a right to criticize. They have a right to know what we're doing. And I think if you start again from that foundation, then actually it all becomes a lot easier. So notwithstanding this controversy, how do you ensure that you could be doing a better job executing these services than a government could? Well, that's... Our shtick, isn't it? That's uh, what we do is that we believe that we can do a good job and indeed a better job operationally on the operational deliver- uh, delivery of government policy than often government can. Not always, but sometimes. And Actually, probably more often than not, because we are organized to do that. We have much more flexibility. We are not un- operating under treasury rules of how much we can pay people. We can, we, we, we can just be much more flexible. I mean, just take Test and Trace, where we, we hired 10,000 people in six weeks. Um, at the start of uh, of that. And eight weeks later, we reduced that by three and a half thousand because the government decided they didn't need so many. Government couldn't do that. They couldn't find the 10,000 people and they certainly could not let them go uh, uh, again afterwards. So I think we can do a good job. And if we can't, then government won't use us. So in addition to test and
0: trace, what would be some other KPIs that you might follow in a particular program to make sure that you're on track?
1: In our risk matrix of things that we really, really worry about in the business, things that are bad for the business, we would have cyber, which is the top of everybody's thing at the moment. We would also have misreporting KPIs um, as being a key risk because governments not only give us work, they then expect us to mark our own homework. If they ever thought that we were mismarking our homework, it then calls into question the entire nature of trust. And and one of the ways you win government's trust is by going along to them and saying, we're not doing this right. You've characterized, I think, this view that you want
0: to face the controversy, that you you, you should be held accountable for the actions uh, and, and for the programs that you deliver. Um, are there things you've learned? I mean, were there parts of test and trace, for example, that didn't go as well as you might have hoped? And sure. so what would they have been? And, and how did you
1: reflect on that? Uh, well, the, the reflection on that was, is that neither us nor the customer really knew what we were trying to achieve. So that's always makes it uh, uh, difficult. I think that more recently, the the way that labor markets have reacted post-COVID where we kind of thought there would be lots of people wanting to come back to work and then actually discovering that lots of people didn't want to come back to uh, work, particularly people who were doing jobs that are really, really hard on the uh, the front line. I think there are several things going on at the moment, one of which is labour shortage and the other which are energy costs which will drive productivity improvement and actually may in the long term be good things for uh, our society. Because we know that in the UK, one of the problems, particularly in service industries, is productivity.
0: Following on this topic of controversy and projects, as we've just discussed, I did want to talk about um, how you decide what contracts you want to take. And you've talked about a set of guiding principles that you've established as an organization and some values that you have. So in terms of you know hotly contested regions, how do you decide where you might choose to operate?
1: Um, well, m- the vast majority of our business is in the US, UK, Europe, and Australia. Uh, we have a smallish business in the Middle East, but one that's actually growing uh, quite fast. The 90% of what we worry about when we're talking about contracts in the democratic markets is the terms and conditions and the price that we – whether we – the risk-reward is correct. It's rare that we sit down and scratch our heads and say, is this morally right that we should be doing it? But when I say rare, two or three times a year we will go and scratch our heads and see – and quite often – it's about really technical things for instance in uh, a new prison if the customer wants to have a particular policy towards indigenous people or towards transgender or or sex offenders or something like that we may they may have some policy that we think we would find difficult to go and conform with very often for complex operational region, reasons as much as anything else. So, But on the whole, our business is a low margin, low capital employed. So we make great returns on low margins. But the thing that kills it is if you misread the risk. And you mentioned operational reasons where you, you know,
0: operational complexity being a reason why you might not want to take on a job. Have you had to say no specifically on moral grounds?
1: We have effectively said no on moral grounds, but phrased it slightly differently to the customer. What we have said to the customer is said, we would only do this work if the following pertain, and then give them the list of reasons that we know that they couldn't, that won't be acceptable to them.
0: Has the organization ever been in the instance where you've had to to bend slightly to the needs of your clients. Your clients are quite powerful clients. Um, And has there
1: ever been an, an, an instance where you've had to bend? Yes. I wouldn't call it bending. That's our job, is to, when the customer says jump, we say how high. Now, if they ask us to jump, um, and the ceiling's only two foot high and we're going to knock our heads, we will go to the customer and say, are you really sure you want us to jump? And you do know that if you ask us to jump and we hit our heads, that you're going to have to pay for our head-hitting exercise and you're going to have to indemnify us. This is part of conversations. But, but I, I, I think that as a service business, our instinct is to say, yes, we'd love to serve you. Uh, can we do more? The, the the
0: set of guiding principles that
1: you've talked about in decision making, do those
0: reflect that of the executive team, the principles of the board, the principles of your employees and, and, and stakeholders? How do you determine that set of principles?
1: Or am I making something gray that to you seems quite black and white? No, I think our conversations on difficult things are always gray. But one of the ones, if you take nuclear weapons, uh, I don't think anybody th- sitting around that our table thinks that we should not be doing it but there are quite a few people who would say is it worth the price of you know of having countless um fund managers saying you're uninvestable because you're involved in weapons of mass destruction and we say, "Well, can we talk about that do you Do you want to have a talk about nuclear security? Do you want to live in a country where President Putin has just threatened to use nuclear weapons do you What do you think No, we have those debates a lot, both at the board level and at the executive committee." um uh, level and with people when I sort go around and have town halls. We but we, we got public spirited and feisty people who work for Circo who have views on these um matters. But the one thing they do understand is that we serve government. So this has been helpful to characterize Serco's decision making.
0: Um but but in a sense we're kind of backward looking. The question I wanted to ask you now is how do you manage into the future how do you manage the changing social attitudes? You're in a different situation to those organizations that may be a natural resource extraction organization, for example, with um, science-based targets. Here you are dealing with the sort of social and moral attitudes of society, which inevitably are
1: changing. How do you cope with that over time? Well, governments have to respond to those over time as well. So They're a pretty good guide to that. Uh, But one of the most difficult things for me doing my my work, particularly engaging with consumers, as with, with investors, is investors themselves are changing their minds. And they change them the whole time. And they think it's completely normal to go into a conversation with us about, you know, saying this is always not acceptable. And then to change their mind six months later. Well, actually, it's quite difficult for us to uh, to um, uh, deal with. And particularly the ratings agencies um, where you're being assessed against, although difficult to engage with, they don't like the sort of conversations that we're having here because they are there to make a profit. They are busy analysts and they need to go and fill those boxes. So, uh, But I do think there is a particular thing around attitudes to social investing where it is evolving. We have seen this on defence where defence stocks are massively underrepresented in portfolios, so-called ESG uh, portfolios. Um, but people are changing their mind on that. And that's quite hard to deal with as somebody who's trying to have some consistency both towards our pe- I can't, we can't change what we do on a dime. We can, we are reasonably agile, but we can't sort of disinvest So I think we've got to be prepared to say on some things like our involvement in defence, our involvement in um, injustice, our involvement in immigration that are controversial things, I think we've got to be prepared to say, that's us. Given that you're in
0: the crosshairs on S and values much more than, say, other organizations or manufacturing organizations, are there any other areas where you think your job is marginally or, cons- or materially more difficult than that of other chief executives?
1: No, I, 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 every business is different, and there will be others who have far bigger issues around the uh, environmental side. We all have a cross to bear, and I, I don't think uh, I don't think ours is. A, I think ours is possibly the fact that it's in the public eye. It is so. I think we probably and rightfully spend more time, agon, you know, uh, thinking about it, and and also as as you said earlier, um, uh, there's quite a lot of gunfire in this area, which is, uh, I I enjoy engaging with these conversations. I think it's important.
0: I want to end on a personal note. You know, we've talked a lot today about Serco and, you know, the court of public opinion. But I wanted to talk about you and how this makes you feel. Do you ever take the attacks that Serco faces personally?
1: No, I I, I don't. I mean, it's hard being, well, it says hard. I mean, you read a Twitter feed that has you cast as the devil's spawn. Um and occasionally people will confront me in public. Um uh and uh say but but it's right that we should be confronted. I would worry more if we weren't being held accountable, if we weren't being confronted, because it would tend to indicate that perhaps we're not doing those important and difficult things that government has to do, which is the essence of our business. I would be more worried about Sergei's future if there was silence than if there was noise. Noise means we're doing our job. We're doing things for government, that government is entrusting us to do difficult things because they know we're going to handle them safely and well. Rupert
0: Soames, Chief Executive of Circo, thank you
1: for coming on Tradeoffs. Thank you for having me.
0: And thank you for listening. To hear what our investment team have to say about this interview and to get the broader investment implications on what's been discussed, listen to the Tradeoffs analysis also on the Fidelity Answers podcast feed now. You can read and watch more on this interview and other conversations with CEOs, plus bonus material at your local Fidelity website or at fidelityinternational.com. Check for links in the show notes. The producer was Seb Morton-Clark with technical support from Alex Wilcox. The editor is Richard Edgar. From all of us at Fidelity, goodbye. This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied upon by private investors. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is intended only for the person or entities to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without the prior permission of Fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please visit your local Fidelity website.